Good morning, it's Tony from Cover Magazine. I'm speaking Kalani Nganga, the Managing Executive for Microinsurance at Guardrisk. Kalani, thank you very much for talking to me. Thanks, uh, thanks very much, Tony, for your time. It's always a pleasure uh, chatting to you. Absolutely. We're talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is microinsurance. Um, I think uh, it, there's such potential in the South African market for microinsurance, but I think we have a misunderstanding as to what the needs of the people are when it comes to microinsurance. So, um, therefore, I'm grateful for chatting to a specialist in the microinsurance environment. Yeah. So, to kick off with, um, Dolani, the, you know, for 80% of our population, and I'm just taking a stab at a percentage here, but yes. probably somewhere around there, microinsurance is basically almost the only insurance option that they have access to um, why do we see why don't we see more focus beyond credit life and funeral for um, uh, people in the microinsurance environment good um, so thanks uh, thanks for that uh, for that question tony so i think i think tony where where it starts it it is really about understanding uh, customer needs uh, I think there has been a, a, a huge focus on uh, on funeral uh, because that's uh, that's the product that the market uh, understands. But uh, if you think about other risks that uh, people face, you know, on a day to day basis, uh, people are commuting, for example. Um, mm. So why don't we see commuter insurance, um, which is basic, which would basically, you know, cover the client in case of an you know, in case of an accident, uh, you and I have seen some of these, you know, horrific accidents. Uh, it would be ideal, you know, if uh, those commuters, for example, you know, were covered uh, during uh, during that journey. So I think there, there has to be a concerted effort to understand what are some of the risks that uh, customers are facing and then, you know, design the products uh, accordingly. I think with the advent of the micro insurance um, uh, and license, uh, I think that's going to create the opportunities for companies uh, like ourselves uh, where we can start creating products uh, beyond uh, just credit life uh, and funeral. I think it really mm. just boils down to customer intimacy and understanding what are some of the challenges that people face on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm. Mm. So besides that, I mean, how, how do we actually um, get there? What is the next step for us to or for insurers, um, you know, to expand their microinsurance offerings. Yeah, I, I think Tony, we can we can rely a lot on what the regulator has done by creating, you know, specific regulation around uh, around microinsurance. I think first of all, these products, uh, you know, are supposed to be uh, designed in the most, um, you know, simplistic way that customers can understand. Whereas your traditional products, unfortunately, tend to be very complicated, and the complication also comes with a higher price. Mm. So I think let us be uh, also be fair and say that, you know, some people will not buy uh, these products purely because they are out of reach, mm. and and they are out of reach because the design itself, you know, makes these products out of reach. And with the micro insurance regulation now, which has is much more simplified. Um, uh, us in the industry now, we actually have got no reason but to actually design products that uh, are accessible to the market. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, how can the insurtech solutions 
um, because InsurTech is seen as one of the ways to get to um, the lower end of the market more cost effectively, because cost is usually a big problem when you have low premiums. How can these InsurTech solutions be leveraged to increase access in the mass market? I think, Tony, you know, um, you know, someone was talking about the blessings of COVID. Uh, one of the blessings of COVID is that people have become uh, accustomed or they've become used to now, uh, you know, interacting via via digital means. I mm -hmm. think there is a there is a, a, a huge opportunity now from an insurtech point of view to start providing uh, insurance products, uh, either embedding them uh, when someone is buying, for example, let's say you are now buying a, a fridge from uh, from take a lot. There is an opportunity now uh, through InsurTech to actually embed an insurance product. Let's say, for example, a warranty product for that mm -hmm. um, for that fridge that you are buying from uh, from Take a Lot. So technology um, is really coming to the uh, I think to the rescue when it comes to this market because it drives the cost of delivering uh, delivering this product. Because mm -hmm. Tony, we must remember. Micro insurance is designed for high volume and low value products. Therefore, any opportunity to reduce cost is really welcome uh, in this uh, in this environment. Mm -hmm. um, because if the the the, the products uh, are not priced, you know, at a particular price point, uh, unfortunately, we're not going to see a huge take up of the product. So. Uh, in South Africa, yes, insurance is still, uh, you know, purchased on 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 price, so we have to be sensitive to that. But I think technology is really giving us an opportunity to really drive the cost of distribution down. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose this is where sell captive solutions then come in, because you you enable those insurtechs or startups, etc., or small skunkworks within companies to easily um, sort of leverage capital, etc. Um, Tony, you know, we in, in 2017, we actually, uh, together with uh, Senfree, you know, we did a, a research uh, and, and Senfree, you know, helped us with, uh, you know, with this work where they, you know, categorically said that, you know, cell captives are the ideal way not only to transform the industry, but to create access uh, mm. to people who previously never had access, you know, to an insurance license. So as guard risk, we have a micro insurance license which uh, caters for both life and non-life. Again, that is another uh, opportunity to reduce cost because if you were to then go and have two separate licenses, that would just uh, increase the cost of, uh, of a cell captive. Mm -hmm. But with the guard risk micro insurance license where you can write both life and non-life, this is a perfect opportunity where if you have got a loyal um, uh, customer base to which you can sell products, um, a microinsurance license would really set you up uh, with uh, a, a lower minimum from a capital uh, requirements and, and solvency point of view, because the rules have slightly been changed for microinsurance uh, to make it uh, an accessible license. So mm -hmm. that, is a, that is an opportunity for, uh, for sell owners that are willing to design bespoke products for their clients. Uh, they are very close to their clients. They understand the needs of uh, of their clients, and um, the transformation, uh, you know, aspect of uh, 
the micro insurance license um, is really something that uh, you know we can all be proud of. Uh, that the regulator has actually come to the fore and put a regulation that allow uh, people to now own uh, cells or have their own, uh, you know, insurance license. But ideally, a cell captive uh, would be the, the, for me, you know, the best alternative. Again, I'm biased here, Tony, because I went yeah. for guard risk. But I think when you look at what you need to put in place uh, to run a cell versus uh, running your own license, mm. Uh, the cell captive gives you the opportunity, for example, to outsource certain functions. Uh, immediately, that has got an impact uh, on the cost of running uh, of mm. running a cell, and mm. indirectly, that has got an implications for how you you end up pricing your products. Mm. Whereas, if you start your own separate insurance uh, license targeting micro insurance product, you actually have to have a lot of skills that you must bring into that business. Mm. Uh, yeah. A lot of infrastructure you have to bring in, uh, whereas with you know with a cell captive you actually have the opportunity to outsource some of the functions, mm. which is perfectly allowed um, from a regulation point of view. Mm. Yeah, it's almost like um, uh, the plug and play of Launchpad and then getting to speed to market very very quickly because everything is there. You open the box, you plug it in, and you go. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if you have a, a you know a captive market where you're already, you know, driving, let's say, for example, you're already selling people a, a, a service. Uh, this, you know, cell captive license now could really just create another opportunity for you to uh, drive, you know, uh, other revenues for, you know, for your business. Mm -hmm. uh, here I'm thinking, for example, if you've got a loan business where you are lending people money, there's an opportunity now, you know, to take along uh, insurance, uh, credit law, for example, in the space. Mm -hmm. uh, again, you know, it could be a legal expenses product. It could be an accident and health uh, product. We know in this country that people have got a huge challenge when it comes to uh, covering the, the, the costs for, uh, for, for health. Uh, and, you know, there are insurance products that one can design. Uh, that can can be sold to an already existing affinity uh, group that you that you're providing other products to. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the whole idea. Um, mm. If we look at that, then what we've spoken about now. So, who is an ideal candidate for a cell captive? Is there certain requirements, minimums? What? How do you evaluate that? The first thing, Tony, that we normally um, uh, talk to about to our clients. It, it is the access to uh, it is access to distribution or access to clients. Uh, unless you've got access to clients, um, unfortunately, it's going to be very difficult for you uh, to to make the micro insurance uh, mm. license mm. Uh, useful or successful. Mm. So that is the that is the first point. The second point, which is required from a regulatory point of view, is obviously operational. Um, um, operational uh, readiness of, of, of that business and operational effectiveness. Ideally, someone who understands insurance um, because then they understand all the requirements, for example, when it comes to treating customers fairly, uh, when it comes to um, solvency requirements, it's a language that they can understand. But also when it comes to designing products, they'll have the intimate understanding of of how insurance works and what you can and what you can't do. So ours is really a technical industry, uh, Tony, but as Guard Risk, we are here 
to actually hold your hand uh, mm. because we have got long-standing relationships with uh, with with regulators uh, we have got expertise we've got um, about 300 cells uh, within Cardisk. Mm. So we have got the experience to actually support, uh, to support our clients. Mm -hmm. um, we also say that, you know, we have got relationships with reinsurers. We can also support our clients when it comes to reinsurance. So that part, they don't necessarily have to understand reinsurance. We've got the, you know, we've got the expertise, but certainly a, a, a good broad understanding of insurance uh, access to um, access to clients and 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 really uh, operational readiness, which really talks to do you have the people that understand how to process a claim? But then again, Tony, you know, there's an opportunity to outsource some of these functions. Mm -hmm. That is the beauty mm -hmm. of you know of a cell of a cell captive. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it comes to uh, capital requirements. The regulator really came to the party and simplified how one calculates uh, solvency requirements for microinsurance. Mm. It is formulaic in the way that it's been written in law. It's something that the actuaries love because it's not as complicated as the as the same uh, same uh, framework, oh, SAM yeah. framework, um, and uh, the minimum is two hundred and fifty thousand. But from a solvency point of view, then that gets calculated. On the uh, on the net premium uh, on the net written premiums, uh, you know, for the for the coming twelve months. Again, mm. if you if you then own a cell, it's very easy then for you to understand what the what those solvency requirements are going to mm. be based on the amount of business uh, that you're going to write uh, going forward. So, mm. um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, it we, really makes it really makes sense. I mean, it's, it's it's the the obvious solution in my mind for um, especially for uh, new ventures, not necessarily uh, insurtech or startups, but new ventures where you've got, uh, as you said, access to clients because usually there's a new uh, a sort of opportunity with a specific pool of clients. Yes, and yes. Um, through partnerships you can take advantage of that and then use a cell captive to get to that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, Perfect. Absolutely. Well, Ani, thank you so much. It was great chatting to you. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope that uh, people take up on this opportunity because we definitely need to increase penetration in the mass market. Yeah, um, yeah, Tony, I think uh, besides penetration, I think the, there's also a huge need to transform the insurance industry. Mm. Uh, it was one of the rationale behind guard risk uh, acquiring a micro insurance license is really to take um, a leading role in transforming the industry. Mm. Uh, I may have mentioned earlier on that, you know, because of the, you know, the different simplified regulation, this really makes, um, you know, access to a license um, quite, um, you know, something that uh, can be obtained by people who previously, you know, you know, couldn't uh, afford, mm. for example, 20, you know, million to set up yeah. you know, your own insurance license, you know, a standalone traditional mm. insurance license. So mm. we see this as a as a good opportunity to transform the industry. Absolutely. But I don't know if there's anything I may have left out. Uh, no, no, I think uh, you touched on the salient points. I think um, just looking at, uh, I think where um, it's been raised around, uh, you know, looking at other product opportunities, I think um, I think as you said around uh, digitization and 
um, you know, new market trends going and, you know, growing on online basis. I think, um, you know, uh, elements like InsureTech and microinsurance really leverage and enable customers to start, oh, you know, um, sell owners uh, to focus on, you know, looking at opportunities to sell products at point of sale um, and, you know, increase and diversify, you know, share of wallets. So it's not only, you know, your traditional credit product if you're a credit provider, but maybe then looking to ensure the underlying asset that's purchased from there. So you you know you you can really leverage on 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 and creating you know stronger um, uh, customer buy-in and providing uh, value propositions that you know uh, in, are convenient to purchase at that mm. point at that purchase point that the customer is buying an underlying product. Yeah. Mm. No, actually, the, 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 the opportunities for innovation are, are immense. If you think about, for example, your device, um, you know, you could uh, you could cover your device, you know, using a microinsurance, uh, a microinsurance product. So yeah. uh, to your point, you know, uh, we can really go beyond credit life and funeral and become mm. really innovative with uh, the microinsurance license. Uh, mm. You know, I, I usually talk about micro risks. You know, we start. Yeah. We need to start yeah. thinking about what are the micro risks uh, that you and I face on a day-to-day -day basis. And losing mm -hmm. your device, you know, I would consider that as one of the micro risks uh, that we can cover using, uh, you know, a microinsurance license, a microinsurance product. Yeah, absolutely. Dalani, thank you so much. Uh, thanks, guys. It was great chatting.